This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to Jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today. Welcome to the Pat on Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. Welcome back, everyone, to the Fast Vision for Noob segment of the Paddle and Fin podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lavery. With my with me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Milford. What's up, Brian? What's going on, man? Hey, uh, not much. Tonight, we have a good friend of mine on. Uh, his name is Paul Strom. He is the head of my local Heroes on the Water chapter, and uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about that and um, also a couple other things. So uh, welcome to the show, Paul. Well, thanks for having me, guys. No problem. So, um, I guess we'll start off by letting the people know who you are, how you uh, got into kayak fishing, and uh, whatever else you want to tell them about you. Okay. Uh, well, my name is Paul Strom. I am the uh, now the state chapter uh, coordinator for Heroes on the Water for Pennsylvania. Um, I got into kayak fishing. I, you know, for the longest time, I wanted to get a kayak, and then I got on YouTube one day and I was like, dude people fish out of kayaks and so i was like i'm gonna try that out and so i originally got a vive um 130 seagos seagos 130 and i used to have one of those yeah <laughs> i just you know being a newbie getting into it i wanted something that i could i didn't have to spend a ton of time on and got a got everything i needed a rudder and all that stuff and then um i uh was fishing for crappie actually it's what i got into and then uh, in 2018, and I was going to a lake where we're at called Pincho, and um, some guy jumps by and says, hey, you know, bass are biting on top water. I'm like, oh, okay. 
And he goes, and if that doesn't work, try a wacky rig. And I'm like, what's that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, his name was Jay Karshman. And um, he gave me a couple of Cinco's and told me how to hook them up. And I was like, sure. So about halfway through my day of crappie fishing, I wasn't catching anything. I said, well, he told me to go check out, you know, throw them underneath some trees. And when you know, I caught three bass, bam, bam, bam. And I was hooked. And I've been fishing for bass ever since so I'm out of a kayak. You know, and then I got into, I got into kayak anglers in our local area, and a bunch of those anglers were uh, gracious enough to give me a lot of tips. And, you know, and I've got a bunch of mentors that I really respect and uh, take their advice to heart. And uh, that really been what I've grown on. And uh, and this year was the first time that I, if we were actually going to pay out on a on a on a tournament the 360 tournament and only the top winner one gets gets to move on to the final uh tournament for, for a new kayak and i lost it by 1.5 inches mm-hmm. and I, I was kicking myself and it was the last 30 minutes of the of the kayak tournament too i was just glad i didn't get skunked in that one <laughs> <laughs> i thought for sure i was going to because it was cold the week that i went oh yeah well i was out there with one of the participants just to keep them company I remember that it was like 28 degrees and it snowed. Yep. yep. It was definitely a, a chilly day. So, yeah. Count, yep. count me out there. You know, I, I live down <laughs> in Tennessee, 28. You know, that's that's too cold to be out there. Huh. And now, Paul, what are you? Uh, you're fishing out of a three or uh, a, a uh, pro angler, right? Yeah, I'm in a Hobie PA 14 now. Okay. You know, I, I'm a I'm what you call a very cheap uh, fisherman. I never buy anything new or or unless it's on sale. You know, you know I try to that, get. That's what I've always called. I've called myself the budget fisherman. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I even got to the point where I'm doing stuff that just to save money in the little things now too. We can definitely talk about that a little bit later because uh, I've seen some of the things you've been doing and it's pretty cool. So. Yeah. Um, but, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about, uh, Heroes on the Water, how, uh, you got involved with them and then, um, you know, what kind of their messages and whatever else you want to say about them. Okay. Um, Heroes on the Water, we're a nonprofit organization that is, uh, across the United States. We're in 48, uh, different states now. We have 60 chapters across the United States. Um, we, we take, we take vets, first responders, um, and their families, which is a nice thing because we're one of the very few nonprofit organizations that, it, that involve families in these type of things. Uh, we're an alternative therapy uh, process. And I always, I always say, you know, the three-pronged process: it's physical therapy, emotional therapy, and occupational therapy, which you can all do all three of those things in a kayak. And we, and we are run by volunteers. I'm a volunteer. No one ever gets paid. All the money that we raise goes directly into our organization. Um, we've, we've, uh, we have over 40, 40 volunteers in just our chapter now. And just last year, we almost hit 200 vets that we took out uh, fishing. And like I said, we provide everything, the kayak, the license, the fishing gear, the bait, and the guide. And a lot of times we find ourselves out fishing with veterans that are disabled and they don't want to 
they don't really fish, but they go out there and they want somebody to talk to. And once they get on the water, it's amazing how easily they open up and just start talking. And one of the things we study has done, been done that shows that kayaking helps with post-traumatic stress and stress and general anxiety. And so this is a great opportunity, not just for our veterans, but for our volunteers. I always tell everybody, I said, I think I get as much out of it as volunteers do. And we have uh, at least four to five uh, events. And we try to do one once a month throughout the summer. And that, that's awesome. I, like, I've always liked the idea of <clears throat> the Heroes on the Water um, organization. You know, I, I, I always thought that was a cool thing. And actually, one of our sponsors, Hammered Lures, um, they take uh, people that, like all their beat up, ripped up soft plastics. If you save those and send them to the address in the show notes uh, for, for the podcast, he melts those down, makes new lures, and donates those to different chapters of Heroes on the Water. So that's something really cool he does for the, to help with that. And Paul, he's actually pretty close to us. He's I think he's in Camp Hill, so okay. he's not far. Um, I've actually talked to him a few times. He seems like a pretty cool guy. I've actually bought their bought his lures, but I've never actually uh, talked to him or anything. Didn't know he did that for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's definitely a cool guy. So I'm not I, sure. I think he has, the last time I talked to him about sending him some of mine, he's like, I have more than I can actually melt down right now. So he's like, just hold on to him and I'll let you know. And I, yeah. I he actually has another guy helping him out because he has so much. But I can imagine we, you know, here paddling Finn, we've been pushing that for like a year now. So yeah, everybody's sending in there. I, I've actually got a, a big old thing of swim baits since I've been on a swim bait kick that I need to send them. <laughs> I have and, bits know, and pieces of stuff too. Go ahead, Paul. And heroes in the water, you know, we're always looking for volunteers. We're always looking for sponsors and you can always just go on heroesonthewater.org and go to the webpage and where it says participate at the top, click it. And then it says start a chapter. There's a volunteer, there's a sponsor and a vehicle donation tab. And you can click on the volunteer thing, go down, fill out your information. And it doesn't matter what state you're in because it goes to the main, or main headquarters. And what they do is they send it out to the closest Heroes on the Water chapter. And then somebody from there will get in touch with you. And so there's opportunities to participate as, as a participant or a volunteer. That's something that I'd like to look into. It's something I'd personally like to be a part of. It'd be pretty cool. Um, I have actually haven't looked into it to see if there's one around here. You know, I'm in the Nashville area, but uh, the, with that, do you have to have an extra kayak of your own to um, to we, for them to use, or do y'all have some? Or we prefer that people have their own kayaks, but it's not necessary because if they if we have an extra one, a lot of pe a lot of the volunteers have extra kayaks, and I know like myself, I bring an extra one. My wife comes out with me too and participates. You know, so there's all, you know, there's all kinds of people that come out and help out. And like, if somebody in my, and somebody wanted to volunteer with us and didn't have a kayak, I, if they got in touch with me, I would arrange it so that they have one at the time that I started that event. Okay. 
Yeah, because I was going to say, I don't have an extra kayak right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe sometime in the future, get get one for my wife or something. But uh, yeah. and right now, I don't. So I would have to find another kayak for them to use for me to do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we I guess we work with a lot of outfitters, too, <clears throat> that let us use theirs. So, yeah. right? So, yeah, we do. And yeah. that it's pretty amazing when they, you know, just kind of let us use their whole demo fleet to to take the participants out on the water too so like our like our big event last year we had over 150 people show up and our our chapter only has about 26 or so uh kayak so the sponsor of that um the shanks mayor outfitter they volunteered all their fleet we got them out we had people waiting in line to get into kayaks you know that's the person met you. Yep, that was where I for that was the first event I went to, and I was just blown away a by the camaraderie of just the group together. And I think there was Maryland that we kind of did. The Maryland people come up for that too. Yeah, they did too. That's why we had twenty six kayaks that day. Yeah, so yeah. it it's awesome to see everybody working together, and the amount of people that came out to that one was incredible too. So yeah, and it, that one we're sponsored by the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. And they do a they do a dinner afterwards, and yeah. we we do that one every year. And there's certain ones that we do every year because they've been great sponsors and they've helped us out, you know, providing food for everyone and stuff like that. Usually it's the meals that they provide for us because uh, each one of our events, the food, the snacks on the water, and the and the meal afterwards, and all the drinks and stuff like that, our our sponsors provide that. And that's actually, I think that was the event that I met Jim Dolan. Yeah, that's he, he was there that time. So Jim Dolan is the guy who founded Heroes on the Water, and he actually passed away last year shortly after that yep. meeting. So I was just happy to get to meet him. He's such a cool guy. You know, I talked to him for a while and uh, about everything. He's a super humble guy, super nice guy, um, just, you know, a huge heart. And uh, like I said, unfortunately, he passed away very soon after that, if I remember correctly, and it, it yeah, was yeah. a shock, but uh, I was blessed to get to meet him at that event, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Paul, you were a veteran too, right? I remember seeing pictures yeah, on Facebook, so. Yeah, I spent some time in the Army. So thank you for your service thank uh, you. on behalf of us, so. Yeah, um, is that how, that how kind of you got into that, or uh, what led you to Heroes on the Water? Well, it was actually... Um, I met a bunch of people in kayak anglers. In kayak anglers, okay. And um, I met Adam Gagne, which he at the time was the, the coordinator, and he's still part of the organization now. He just he just needed some time off, and so we're like, okay. And he asked me if I would take over, and uh, he's still my right hand man and all that. So I always try to run things by him when I have a new idea and stuff, and he sort of keeps me grounded. <laughs> and um, but yeah, I actually a lot of the guys in kayak anglers of Central Pennsylvania are part of my uh, volunteer base, and it's great. You, I get to fish with them on tournaments and stuff like that, and then I turn around and they come out and help me. I have actually been a member of kayak anglers for P, uh, PA for two years now, and I I have yet to do a tournament. So I think uh, one except for the the 361 or the. Yeah. That one I that was my first kind of experience, and I keep saying I want to try it, but I never thought I was good enough. So I, but I'm gonna give it a try here one the 
this year, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, the guys in kayak anglers, you know, it was amazing because I'd go out on the river and we'd be on a tournament, and they're, and they're like, "How you doing?" I'm like, uh, "I'm not doing so great." And they hand me a lure and say, "Hey, fish right here." I'm like, "Really?" He goes, "Yep," and I catch fish and I get my limit. You know, that's the kind of guys that are in that group. You know, they're yeah. willing to share the knowledge in the spot. That's what got me. Is like. They're not just saying, oh, it's Susquehanna River. And they're like, no, the Susquehanna River right here. You know, throw this, and this is how you should do it. And then, well, the, well, that seems to be something with, like, just kayak anglers in general. You know, they seem to be a lot more willing to share. <coughs> Sorry, I got choked up on my team a minute ago. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they just seem like they're... Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker really willing to share knowledge and help each other out and everything yeah. and uh i didn't get that so much when i used to have a boat yeah <laughs> i think bass yeah. boat guys are definitely different just from the little experience i've had with it you know um and it, there's i don't know how many times i've been out paddling and somebody will paddle by me and stop and you know chat and i, I just love that about our sport <laughs> how how cool everyone is and how friendly and it definitely helps take some of the intimidation factor out for us noobs. So Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first tournament, I was like calling people, Hey, are you fishing this tournament? And I finally found somebody say, Hey, do you mind if I just tag along? And they're like, sure, no problem. And I've been bashful enough to, I haven't tried that. I know you told me about that. And I'm like, I just feel weird doing that, but I, I guess I guess got to do it and see. You just got to uh, do it. Who says and, yes. So. <laughs> and it, and the, the cool thing about it is, like I said, you know, a lot of those people that I found, I met in kayak anglers, they're involved with that, with heroes um, on the water. And, you know, we're the guys that are going out and, you know, a group of us are going out. We're fishing with each other all the time. We're checking up on each other, you know, doing that buddy check, saying, hey, how you doing? Because a lot of us are veterans, you know, and we have we have all our, I guess you might say, our, our demons, you know. And it's one of the reasons that... Um, Heroes in the water means so much to me because that camaraderie. But I also know that, you know, we all have our, we have things going on in our lives. And so it helps me to be more accountable to check up on my buddy and check on, uh, check up on that veteran when I need, when I don't hear from them and stuff like that. Yeah. Especially in times like it is right now where everybody's super stressed out and anxiety is running crazy. So it's definitely uh, a good a good yeah. uh, lifeline to keep in touch with people and ha have someone, you know, check, looking out for you and you looking out for other people. So Absolutely. that's awesome. Yeah. So when you get that, when you get that text message, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> hey, light me up, man. That's what I'm here for. So. All right. Um, go ahead, Ryan. What were you going to say? So I was just, just going to ask, you know, you talked about when you first got into <clears throat> bass fishing, you know, I think you said dude gave you a wacky rig and stuff like that. Is that still like a go-to uh, technique that you use now, or you've got some other ones you like better? Or? I, I the, the wacky rig is my go-to. 
because, you know, I feel comfortable. It's my safe zone, per se. And, um, but I've changed how I rig it a little bit. You know, when I first started, I was just using an offset hook, sliding the hook through the center. And then after each fish, I loaded another one on. And then now I'm, I'm using an O-ring, now using a BMC Nico rig hook instead of a wacky rig hook. And I found that my hookups are better. And I use, I use the weedless one so I can throw it up into a tree because that, um, that carbon fiber weed guard on there, and it's amazing how many times I pull it out of a tree, pull it out of a tree I threw up in the air, that, that uh, weed guard saved me a ton. I, uh, that's also my go-to. Um, it's what I first started really catching fish on and, um, yeah. for, and I use it still for a lot of the same reasons I can, cause I'm still, you know, when I'm bank or fishing the bank and lay downs and stuff, I often screw up and plant one halfway up the tree and, um, <laughs> it just comes through back through amazingly. Um, I started using weighted hooks a little bit just because, uh, of the time it takes for it to sink at times, but, uh. But uh, it depends on uh, what the bite's like. If, it, if they're hitting weightless, I don't worry about it. But if I'm having a little bit of a slow day, sometimes I, I either put a split shot on the hook or switch to a weighted wacky to throw uh, a little bit just to speed it up, the fall up a little bit. But Yeah, it depends on the, the, the water, how deep the water I'm fishing. Uh, sometimes I'll put a nail weight in to fall quicker. And then it depends on if I'm... Uh, an eddy that's got a vertical side on it, then I'll throw a nail weight in there and, and actually do like a neat rig. Okay. The exact same wacky rig. I think uh, Dan Perry, one of our hosts, was talking to, though, that uh, one of the things about a Nico rig is actually how you hook it through the Senko, that you actually hook it in line mm-hmm. with the Senko instead of, like, when I hook a wacky rig, I hook it sideways, you know? Yeah. So the hook is off the side. But he is saying that one of the main differences between a Nico rig and a wacky rig is you, the hook actually goes in line with the worm. And you see that kind of threw me off because, uh, I, I've never thrown a wacky rig. That's something I need to, I, I need to tie it on and throw <laughs> it next time I'm out and give it a shot. But like I've looked into it and, you know, people, some people use like the bands around the worm so they don't tear the worm up. Yeah, so it seems like if you put the band around the worm Mm -hmm. and then put the hook through there, it's already going to be like in line with the worm. It is. For like a Nico style. So how how would you, if you're supposed to throw it the other way with a wacky rig, how do you get it like that using the band? Well, instead of just going straight through the band, you sort of cockeye and shove it through the band. The biggest reason having that band on is that you're not ripping your bait in half and losing the yeah. fish. So instead of a Nico rig, you'll take that ring and stick the hook in like this. And when I do the wacky rig, I sort of side, eh, skive it off to the side so it's still hanging sort of like that. And then, and then, like I said, I always use that VMC Nico, the weedless Nico hook, and so it always has that carbon that car that um, carbon fiber weed guard on it which which works great you know i throw it in everything and then but i'm always looking for another way to rig something up you know oh yeah <laughs> definitely i'm trying I'm to try this rig i just found out about watching some videos and read it's called a uh, tiny child rig it's like a uh like a uh ned rig but it's it's weedless. yep i actually yeah. just tried it on monday night 
on the yeah. river. Uh, I caught one smallie on it. So, is that like the the Ned rig heads that are on like an offset worm hook type thing? Or? Uh, it's it's like it's uh, Zena makes these little. It looks like a worm weight, and you shove it up inside their um, the TRDs or the or their zincers or whatever. And mm-hmm. but it doesn't have a hook on it. It looks like the weight that you get on a Ned hook. You stick that in the bottom, and then you take an offset hook and put it up top so it's weedless. So you can literally throw it in a tree, and it would sink between the limbs and stuff like that, and you wouldn't get hung up. And also come back out. So. Yeah. I think we actually had somebody talking about that not too long ago on here. In the in the uh, chat. In the chat. Is it the chat? Yeah. That's okay. where I, I, I had just seen it on Facebook, and I think uh, either Dan or somebody mentioned it on the chat. And so I put an order in quick because I knew I was going to the river on Monday night. And uh, I tried it. And it it was it reminded me of the Ned Rig, the feel of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was cool that it just didn't hang up as much. as Because when I throw the Ned Rig in the river, I hang up a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, that, but, that's why I rig mine up weedless. I started yeah. to do that too, and that has helped. But this one, you don't even have to worry about that for the most part. Um, and if you don't have that that uh, Z-man weight, you can just throw a nail weight in the center of it. And what I've done is I've taken a like a like a, a bob skewer and shoved up in the center of it, make a little hole, and you shove that nail weight in and put a little little uh, super glue on it, so it doesn't come out real easy. You see, that's how yeah. I do. That's the jig master. Uh, Ned, Ned Rickhead. It's got the uh, spiral bait keeper on there, so mm-hmm. I just kind of put it in a little bit, then come out the side like I'm Texas rigging. Yeah. I put it up there, then I twist it on, and then just put it on the back like a Texas rig, and yeah, I, I, it don't get hung up too much. Mm. It's pretty good. I uh, uh, I started using a wobblehead, uh, wobblehead football jig, like a football wobblehead. Like a swing head. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I rig my I rig my um, Ned rigs on that uh, mm. weedless like a Texas rig almost because yeah. it's got an offset hook on it. And then what I what I found is that I, I don't get hung up quite as much as if I'm using a Ned rig. And you now, just drag that the same way you would a yeah. Ned rig. Okay. What's nice about it is that especially when uh, using like creature crawls, you know, creature. I use Z-Man stuff a lot of their plastics. And when that when that current's in there, since it's on that that hooks free floating that that bait sort of floats back and forth like that too okay so getting a little, a little bit more movement yeah yeah now with that do you have to get some that have like a really small hook on it because i feel like a normal swing head's gonna have you know like a three or four odd hook and i feel like that's gonna go way up in the ned rig and take away from its action some the smallest i've ever seen in the store was with a two-odd hook and i think that's still too big because i like the one-odd hook so I was ordering him from a guy out of uh, Arkansas. He was a special making, but then he quit making making jigs for people. So I just ordered my own um, own football wobblehead mold. mold. Yeah, I, I, I was gonna say what it made me think about. It. I've got a buddy that's got a mold, and mm-hmm. he's ma- he's made me some before. And I was like, yeah, I could just go. You know, he he's basically like just buy the hooks and bring them to me, and I'll make them for you. Yeah. So whatever hooks I want. So that made me think like get some really small, you know, uh, uh, offset hooks and take them to him. Might try mm-hmm. that out. Yeah. And I like fit. I said, in the river, I I get a lot less hung up with those football head jigs. 
the football style weight on it. I was wondering about the weights themselves because most of the time the, I've seen those wobbleheads, they're pretty good amount of weight. You know, I, you know, do you use is it downsized weight like eighth ounce, quarter ounce, or I, I always use an eighth ounce. Okay. Any of my TRDs or stuff like that, I use eighth ounce or smaller. But the smallest uh, mold I was able to find or anybody can make for me was an eighth, so that's what I stuck with. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what size my buddies got. But yeah, they do make, like, there's some companies out there that do make, uh, like, a Ned Rig head mm-hmm. that uh, that has, like, an offset hook style on it now. I've thought about trying that out because mm-hmm. I, I I love being weedless. I can't stand an exposed hook because if it's exposed, I'm going to get it hung up on something. <laughs> it's just the way it is. Yeah. Well, one of the cool things that I saw you doing too, Paul, is you're making your own chatterbaits. So, what's yeah. involved with that? Well, I know, I know, Ryan. You, you, you see, one of your episodes, you were talking about uh, jackhammer by Z-Man and all that. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was like, oh, I can't wait to use this new chatterbait because I was using the original for the longest time. And then, I, and I went to the store and realized at the time they were like twenty bucks because they just, <laughs> and I'd bought like four or five of them because you know I was at Bass Pro and they had a big sale, you know, like fifteen twenty percent off. So I bought five of them, and then the first tournament I used them, I lost three in a row, and I almost cried. <laughs> I was like, there's, "There's no way I'm ever." I was scared to throw them where I needed to throw them. And then last year I went on, I went on a, uh, I went to a tournament down in Delaware. And a buddy of mine asked me if I wanted to go. And I said, sure. You know, I don't have anything else to do. I'd never fished KBF at that point. And I went down there and um, took me to this little pond. And it wasn't very big. And he said, chatterbaits. And so I had a, I had a cup, I had a jackhammer, I had original. And I just was ready to throw where I needed to throw it. And then I look over to him and he, he threw it over there and caught two 20 inches back to back. But he was like throwing it up in the woods you know, right up against the wood. And I was like, there's no way. And so I, I ended up losing both of them. And he gave me a, he gave me a thunder cricket. He says, I don't have any more jackhammers. Try this out. And then I ended up getting my limit. And it was, I think I got eighth place. And that was the closest I've ever gotten to the payoff on a tournament. And I was like, man, this is amazing. You know, he goes, you, you have to throw it in those places. And so I got thinking about it. And I'm like, how much would it be to make? So I went on YouTube and I was looking at it looking at some different people making them in this guy and this one channel called uh that guy skimpy and uh he was i looked i typed in chatterbaits how to make them he popped up first and i was watching him i'm like i'm like this this isn't hard at all you know i just got to get the right mold and get the blades and all that and then um i ended up looking at what he was using and i was like oh it was just an arky head uh jig and then split ring in a blade and then a, a quick swivel snap. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went and I went out and bought them. I made all the jigs and I was like, okay, now I need to figure out how to paint them. So I was online and, uh, you know, and the people using this uh, ProTech powder paint and baking them. So I, I was like, okay, you know, I could, I could do that. It's not hard. They're just taking a heat gun and dipping them and then baking them. So the first time I did that, my wife wasn't quite happy with me because I had over dipped them stuck them in the oven and the paint ripped in the oven and man, <laughs> and man it, and then i was oh. like i was like i could take care of that so i turned on you know the the uh the automatic cleaning Clean. <laughs> cycle. 
man, my house stunk so bad. Oh, uh, I so bet. Bad. Well, <laughs> you got you got to watch out with that too. You know, if you're putting those uh, lead heads in there, yeah, you know, like, that's kind of toxic. You know, I, I I don't really do it anymore. I still got the stuff, but like I used to make football jigs, mm-hmm. and like I if I didn't have it really ventilated whenever they're cooking, yeah. man, it, it, it'd choke you up in there. Well, I don't, I don't pour unless I'm outside right now. Cause I don't have a, a real ventilated, good basement where, yeah. I, where I do my work. So if I have a nice day and I have all the hooks and all this stuff, I just go out and, you know, I, I pour a hundred, 200 jigs, you know, heads. And then, and then I, I go downstairs and I, and I clean them up and then I dip them. And then I, what I ended up, Trina made me end up doing is I had to go out and buy me a little, little toaster oven. Yeah. And uh, that's what I'm cooking everything in now. She was, she was not happy with me. She was like, go get something else. You got to do something else. <laughs> I was like, okay. Yep. So now I, now I bake them in the toaster oven. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Luckily, when I started making my jigs, my grandma just so happened to have like an old, old uh, toaster oven sitting in the garage that she didn't use. So yeah. she gave that to me, you know, it was kind of beat up, but it works. So that's what I've always used too. All right. So I don't know much about pouring my own jigs. What, what all is involved with that? You buy chunks of lead, you have a melting pot, you melt it down. Is that the yeah. gist of it? Or? You, get a, you get a melting pot and you, and you buy pieces of lead. You can buy them in most um, outdoor shops. You can go to salvage yards, see if they have them. If you call up a uh, roofing company and they've been doing some old uh, roofs that a lot of old roofs, old homes had lead underlying, um, like they put the, the weather guard on now, they mm-hmm. just put lead down and then put your, t- put your uh, shingles down and they pull it up. And the problem is it's hard to get rid of lead. So there a lot of times they're willing to just give it to you. Wow. And so you just got to find a roofing company that's done an old house lately. Okay. Because it's really hard to get rid of lead now, and um, so, and then you go out there, and what you want is you you want to try to make sure your lead is as pure as possible. Ninety-eight percent is great, and that's why roofing roofing lead's good because it's super soft because it's pure, and so they're able to shoot uh, nails right through it, and so okay. you melt it down. You can go to tire shops and collect the lead weights they use, but the problem is what nowadays is that a lot of them dirty, have, and they're dirty. They have, so you have to melt them out. You guys pull all the impurities out, and then, and then it takes it's a longer process. Okay. Yeah, I I know a big issue I ran into. See, I went to a salvage yard and bought, like, I think it was, like five or ten pounds of lead, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> it was these big like brick looking things. Yeah. And I first off, they wouldn't fit in my melting pot, so I had to take a sawzall and cut them in half so we can get yeah. them in there. But they, it was like really dirty stuff. That, like it, it, a lot of trash would like come up to the top, mm-hmm. and it would stop up my melting pot. And so I, I, I used a, uh, oh, I forget what it's called. It's like a a pear thing where 
in, anyways, it's like a little spoon thing with a hole in it. And, oh, yeah, yeah, a ladle. Or like a, a, so, a pitter to take the pitter? Yeah, out of it. yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But I dipped that in there to dip the trash out, but it got to the point to where I, I felt like I had more trash than it was lead. Mm. I, I just tried to go the cheaper out because it was a lot cheaper doing that than going to like Bass Pro or something and buying you know those lead sticks. Yeah, well, Bass Pro, I think it's five pounds for like twenty-five bucks. Yeah, which, and which and is I crazy. got it, I got it like five pounds for like what five bucks or ten bucks or something. Yeah, because I was buying it last time I bought lead, I bought it a hundred pounds of it for fifty cents a pound. Wow. And then, yeah, now I think about it, I think it was like sixty or so cents a pound yeah. where I bought it. Yeah. Most uh, most salvage yards are just trying to. They have piles of it, and they're just trying to get rid of it because no one really wants it, you know. And then, like just last night, I did uh, eight chatterbaits. You know, painted them up, and I I pour a bunch of heads, and then as I need them, I I paint them and put you know blades on them and stuff like that. And I try to. I was watching a uh, YouTube video, and I tried a different process instead of using a a hook. At the you know attaching straight to a hook like Z-Man does, I ended up using a uh, a wire form. I took a spinner bait hook and used a wire form, and what I ended up with was a head like like that. I don't know if you guys can see that or not. Okay. And this isn't actually a hook; it's a piece of wire that's inside my lead. Yeah. And then that way I can attach it sort of like that. And I started using a. Um, a poison head jig because it gives you more of that minnow looking head on it it's more aesthetics than anything else i think you know making sure it looks good and yeah, that eyes. looks pretty good right there and i put eyes on it and like i said i don't know if uh the fish really care about eyes but it looks good to me <laughs> <laughs> that looks pretty professional man <laughs> yeah I, I like that you know you don't see many other than you know like the big companies, mm -hmm. you know, doing them with I mean, most of them are using like a split ring make them, that make them at home. Like this. Oops, let me pull this, pull the skirt down. They're sort of using a split ring and all like that. Mm -hmm. And then they, this is an Archie head jig, which I wish I'm going to see if I can use the wire form with it because this, this jig is awesome to throw into woods and stuff because the way it's built, it sort of hops over stuff. And, literally threw these the log and caught a fish on the other side of the log and was able to drag him across the log and stuff like that where you would normally i wouldn't have dared to throw a jackhammer you know what i mean you know because you know there's no way i was throwing that jackhammer in, in over that log and get it stuck you know right these are costing me a little less than two dollars to make you know what i mean wow. i was, yeah, I was gonna good. ask you that but i wasn't <laughs> sure if you sold them and i didn't want to put your business out there and all that well <laughs> these here the ones with the Archihead jigs, eh, you know, like $2 right in there. Depends on what I do with them. $2, yeah. $2.50. And, you know, and so you got to make a profit. Yeah. You know? uh, well, see, what a lot of people, when I was making them, you know, I, I'd sell them to people. And some people, like, kind of, like, snarl their nose at your price or whatever. But it's like, yeah, I... I Cost-wise, for material, is pretty cheap. But think about how much time you're putting into it. That's what you have to think about. How, how, how about how many can you make in an hour? 
An hour? Like, like start to finish. Well, after I pour them, and then when I get to to painting them and baking them and all that, I could probably do 10 to 15 in an hour by the time everything's said and done, not including the pour. Yeah, because, see, I got to where I can make, like, like 10 in the football head jigs in an hour, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I'm sure I can get better and get mm-hmm. faster uh, doing it co- consistently, but I just do, you know, some here and there. But, I mean, you, you do the math on that and, you know, sell them for whatever, a few bucks or whatever, you're really not making that much for your time putting into it. But, this right, this right here is what I, what I get done before I get the skirts on it and all that. Yeah, I could probably do about fifteen of them prior to doing the skirt. You know, getting the ring on and all that stuff, and paint them and baking them, and then, uh, you know, but the skirts, I use I ban my skirts because, when I go out and the fish takes part of my skirt, I can just throw another. One. I always have extra skirts with me, and I just throw another one on. Um, I know some people prefer them tied. I tie them, but it's, it's just so much easier to replace them if you have a band on there. And and wire tying is very time consuming too. Yeah. You know, I, I I I wire tied mine and you know trying to get it perfect and trying to get it bent around there where you can start turning it. Then you get some caught up in your twist mm-hmm. and you got to try to get it out so you don't mess up the skirt and it's yeah. Then it's I just a lot started, easier to slide a band on there. And I just started, I, at first I was using all silicone skirts, and then I got into uh, using this uh, living rubber skirt. Yeah. And then I, that stuff's awesome in the water because it sort of billows when it's sitting on the bottom. It moves all the time. And uh, so, and I and I like it. And, but the only issue is you can't get, like, glitter in it. I haven't been able to find stuff with, like, glitter, different designs. It's sort of like... A solid color or a single stripe across and stuff like that see i even had some stuff that was textured mm-hmm. I, I, I thought that was pretty cool yeah but yeah um, my like, wife's not going to be happy i want to go try this now <laughs> <laughs> but, you know it, it it gave me it gave me peace about losing my lure you know if i lost a lure i wasn't out of time I'm right there. I'm right there. You know? Believe me. So. You know, and like I said, you know, I'm throwing it in places that I never thought I'd catch fish out of. And I'm pulling, you know, my, my biggest bass of the last trip I went on, I was like between two logs and I got it right into the right position. And I'm pulling this, I pulled a five pound bass out of this hole. You know, and I was just amazed that I got a bass out of there, you know. <laughs> and, you know, I was going to say earlier when you were talking about losing that, I jinxed myself. Uh, I forget who it was we were talking to, but we did an episode with records. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I haven't lost one yet. And then that very next time I went out, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, I, I caught a fish on one. I, I guess I didn't check my, my knot or the end of my line. Or abrasions or anything very next cast a big fish hit it i don't know i never got to see it but it, it was big mm-hmm. uh, and when it hit it set the hook and about mid set it broke oh, man. and I, I lost my first jackhammer <laughs> but but i haven't really been too worried about 
you know, throwing it into those hard to get to places mm-hmm. because, you know, 99% of the time with me, whatever I'm throwing, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, in a kayak, I can go right up there and get it out. I haven't had much yeah. issue with not being able to get something out unless it's like really deep or like 30, 40 feet up in a tree where yeah. I just lost it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how would you say your chatterbaits compare to like a jackhammer, like action wise? Do you, you feel like you're pretty on par with that or? I, I, you know, when building mine, I, I bend all my blades prior to, when I get a pack of 20 blades. I bend them all. Um, the jackhammer has that slight bend at the top, mm-hmm. and I like to bend mine actually a lot more, a lot more compared to the jackhammer. I bend them really well. I don't know if you can see that uh, right there. I bend it, you know. And what I found in my when I go through the water with my jet with my uh, my chatterbaits, they tend to they tend to do the search mo- motion a lot more. It's a bigger swing, and you know, I fish the jackhammers when I get them. Uh, you know, I'm part of the mega bass thing, uh, um, bass monster bass box. I've gotten jackhammers in them. I've gotten chatterbaits um, in them. And the the movement in the jackhammer is not as erratic as the ones. I think when you bend that uh, blade a little more, you get a little more erratic movement in it. And um, so... I don't compare them because of that because I bend my blades a lot more. And then, um, but I, I, you know, I, I, my biggest thing on it now is what I use as a trailer because I found that I was watching some stuff and I, and I realized that I was using paddle tails as trailers. And what happens a lot of times is their kit, that boot tail is kicking real hard. It's taken away from the action up front. And so it's, it's not moving as well as it used to. So I was on, I watched a video on tactical bass and I was like, Hey, that makes sense. So I started buying sort of like a Yamamoto, uh, Zanko type thing, but I buy them from a company called, um, undercover baits because they're a little stiffer. I found that the, uh, Yamamoto ones would always end up like this a lot. And, um, because they're, they're softer in the tail. And uh, these also have a scent in them. They have a bubblegum, uh, a grape scent. And it's, maybe it's just me, but I get a lot more bites on this one, too, on that. In that. Yeah. Now, have, have you tried the uh, Z-Man Razor Shad? I know you said you really like Z-Man products. I have. It, it's a I've, similar type yeah, thing to that. My biggest thing is, is you, know, you, you probably noticed that uh, the uh, the material that uh, Z-Man uses, it's really hard sometimes to get something up yes. in. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, you're fighting like 15 minutes trying to get it on, then it's not straight, you know? Yeah. So that's why I bought this. I'm a big um, Max Scent guy when it comes to my Senkos. So I've found that they have, Powerbait makes a similar thing, but with the, with their scent also. But I've been buying these because they're they're a reasonable price for undercover baits, and and um and you can get them almost any cover color from them, and, and they work. And then when I run out of them, I cut the paddle off the back end of a of a paddle tail and just leave that tail, and it, it sort of it gives you the same type of movement, not as big, a profile. I remember reading or seeing that on Tactical Bassin too. Yeah. 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 
And then when I uh, when I use a pure white one, I'm using. Let me see. I use this for my. It's a it's just a old ribbon tail, but uh, I don't know if you can see that. Mm -hmm. But I cut it off about three rings up and just put the rear end on, and um, and I use I use the power bait. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You know, they smell, they stink, and so I, I hope they're. I hope that helps. You know, but it, but it gives it, it gives it enough movement in the back end, but it's still not affecting the front of the chatterbait. Right. And that's what, and that's what I've, I started doing. And I, and I've gotten more bites and hookups that way. Cause I was in paddle tails for everything, you know, cause they're cheap. You can buy them anywhere. You can go to Walmart and buy them and stuff. And, um, and I, and like I said, like you said, you're a budget, budget fisherman. And I, I'm like, if something's on sale, I just stock up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, I was actually uh, talking to a local guy not too long ago, I fished a little local event and, uh, we were talking about his homemade like flag that are for this guy. And, um, uh, and I've, I've got the yak attack one and mm -hmm. he, and he's like, He's like, man, I, I wish I could get one of those. Like, the only reason that I'm using this and not a homemade one is because when Academy had that big sale back in like February or whatever, I got it for like 35 bucks. So, <laughs> well, you, you can't pass that up. A $90 flag and light combo. Yeah. It's, it's like you said, you know, you know, Academy. I I started a project because again, I'm cheap. <laughs> I don't want to spend the money, but I took their they're waiting floating uh fishnet because a lot of people lose their fishnets and kayak mm -hmm. and then i wanted a longer handle on it because it was only about six seven inches long so yeah. i went i bought some uh, uh velcro and just used the the fuzzy side and stuck it on the, i took off the uh the the foam and then i stuck that on there i put some loctite epoxy on the inside I shoved a one piece, uh, a PC, uh, piece of PVC, and then once it hardens, I'm going to take wind grip that matches and wrap it, and then I'm going to fill it with uh, um, sprayable foam so that it, so it floats. floats. Yeah. But I got, but I got a 36 inch handle now. Yeah, I've I've seen quite a few people taking those same nets and doing something similar to that. Yeah. I, you know, I thought about it myself at one point because I, I do like those nets. My dad has one of those, mm -hmm. and, but I had the same issue. Like, I want something with a longer handle Yeah. You know, because most of the time, whenever I'm getting my board ready and my phone to take my picture and everything, you mm -hmm. know, I have the fish sitting in the net down here. I've got the handle running below my feet, and I'm, I got my foot sitting on the handle, mm -hmm. and so so I'm holding my net. Um, but I, I ended up finding one on Amazon that I'm really liking and, you know, it's got a little cord on it. So I, I just leashed it to my kayak. That way, if it falls in, I ain't worried about it. I can just pull it right back up. Yeah. Yep. That, that is a cool idea with that though. Yeah. When I, when I get it all done, I'll send you a picture. Sweet. 
So. Yeah, because I might have to try and replicate that because I still have a crappy like trout net, I think, or something that I'm using. It's little, so if I ever get anything big, it's going to be trouble. <laughs> that, that, that floating uh, weighting net was like 20 bucks, and then that piece of PVC was like 250 And then and the wind grip's the most expensive thing, and I think it was like $13 for what I needed. Okay. Cool. And so, but yeah, I, like you said, I, I try not to spend money. Every, every rod I bought, I bought it on sale or it was used. If somebody bought and, and didn't use, you know, I bought rods at half the price and the tags were still on. my most expensive rod that like value wise that i own Mm -hmm. i got for free (laughs) Uh, my my wife's uncle back when i was making a bunch of jigs you know i'd make i'd make him a bunch and i wouldn't make him pay me anything for him and uh he he won it in a raffle at, at a tournament one day and he called me up like hey uh what you need a new rod and he, he brought it to me and gave it to me uh, for giving him a bunch of jigs. He said he didn't need it. So, yeah, other than that, you know, I gotta, gotta, I'm slowly upgrading, you know, some of my stuff. Yeah. But, uh, when I first got into the kayak bass fishing, I went to a fishing show and I think the most expensive rod I bought was $15. And then now I've got some other rods, you know, I, now that I know what materials to look for and stuff like that. But like I said, this is probably this is only my second season fishing for bass full time. Because when I lived in, say, I, I used to live in Fort Campbell. Uh, my buddies and I would all go fishing okay. for uh, catfish. That was a big thing on the river in the Cumberland River. Was fishing for catfish. When I lived in Texas, we used to go fish for the big blues down there and the stripers. And I didn't, you know, and we catch crappie, of course. And then if you caught a bass, it was just a bonus, you know. And then. Um, and then I got up here and I started fishing for bass and and actually um, I was thinking about you know, I started fishing I did one Hopi open this uh, BSO this year down in Norman which didn't come out it didn't do very well at all and uh, it was just fun to experience the you know that that national level and some of those guys they're they're out I couldn't believe how much money they put into their stuff you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm out there. Uh, most expensive rod ever I have on my boat is like $50, and these guys are walking out with $500 rods, you know. <laughs> I have one St. Croix rod that uh, I won a fantasy baseball season, and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm just going to buy one nice rod. So, And then proceeded to use it three times and broke the tip off of it, and I was like, ah. <laughs> but they, I did, I, I think I had to pay another 40 bucks or something to get it replaced, but uh, uh it's back and working again. So, I have I have a Saint Croix rod, and it was given to me brand new. And, uh. <laughs> and they're like, "Here, you, you can have it." He, I said, "You sure?" He goes, "Yeah, I won't use one like that." And so that's the only reason I have one. Wow. Yeah. The most, like I said, the, I think the most expensive thing I've ever I've ever bought myself was fifty dollars, and that's because I it was it was uh they were on percent off so I bought. Yeah, I think the most expensive rod I bought myself is about 50 bucks. Mm-hmm. And it's really probably my most used rod right now. Yeah. With me getting into this underspin and chatterbaits, you know, I throw them both on that same rod. Yeah. Now, my reels, I've, I've gotten a few that are, you know, they're not expensive, but mm-hmm. expensive for me, 
but that was because the company online they uh, do a thing where you can make uh make like four payments break it up into four payments yeah yeah and, and uh yeah it's a the enigma reels okay yeah so, so yeah I, I got some of those and they you know they do we do those payments so it makes it where it's pretty cheap you ain't like spending a bunch of money all at one time yeah well i i uh did a lot of research and and most of my reels now are from cast king i thought yeah i remembered you saying yeah. you had a something going on with cast king so yeah i've been uh, i've been in the works trying to become one of their ambassadors as they call it pro staff and uh, with all this corona stuff going on they are rearranging their company and so I've, i'm still in touch with the guys there um, talk to and uh, some of the guys that are already part of it eventually hopefully i'll get in with them but yeah that's what i you know they're cheap you know cost wise but i found that i have a couple shimano reels that i bought you know not brand new but they were, they were pretty near brand new and my casting reels are as good or better you know and I can set, and I got them set up. That's what I use for my uh, chatterbait rod. You know, I have a, a speed demon rod, and I use a I use a cast king reel on there, and I've got it set up. And like I said, I've I've cast it close to thirteen hundred times in a day, you know, and never had an issue with it. And okay. now that I've got it dialed in and everything, super smooth. So yeah, for the price, you can't beat it. And then like I broke the tip off a rod called them up and they're like yeah here here's the code go to amazon we'll hook you up cost i think it's 30 dollars to replace it yeah you see up right now chatterbaits and underspins and everything i'm throwing them on this lose combo yeah i, I bought a i bought that real mm -hmm. dude on facebook marketplace i I think it's the reel that comes off like the $120 combo or whatever. Yeah. But uh, the the rod I already had whenever I bought it. I paid like 50 bucks at Walmart for it, but it's a lose rod. But uh, it's been a pretty good combo. But I've actually, I'm planning on replacing this. I've got another one of those Enigma reels that I, hate, I haven't even stringed up yet. But I'm waiting on a different, I want to get a different rod to put on it. I don't know why, but I feel kind of weird putting an Enigma reel on a lose rod. For some <laughs> reason, I don't know why. But <laughs> oh, I mix and match mine all over the place, man. So, well, I mean, yeah. everything else is mix and match, but for I, I, I think maybe it's more of I just don't want to break up that lose combo like the real. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I'm weird. What's your, what's your guys' setup for chatter rate rod? Like uh, medium heavy, heavy, and then what line weights? Go ahead. Right. For me, I've got this is a seven foot medium heavy rod. Um, the reel that I'm using is a seven one to one. Um, okay, I'm, I'm I think I'm kind of weird here too, but uh, I, I tried like the braid to fluoro leader thing yeah. and my line snapped within a few casts of trying it. So what I ended up doing was like. Half half of my spool is braid, and the other half is is fluoro. Um, I was throwing twenty pound test fluoro on here, mm -hmm. and just recently 
I picked up some. I finally decided to try some of the P line, and I got 15 pound. Ah, yep. This stuff is smooth. I, yeah. Man, I, I'm like, why didn't I try that P line sooner? But yeah, I got 15 pound P line fluorocarbon that is being thrown on. But I have noticed since I swapped the line, the chatterbaits feel a lot heavier to me. And they, they don't feel as smooth whenever I'm reeling it. So I'm not sure if that's something to do with that line or if I'm, I've changed something else up. That, like maybe the trailer's heavier. I'm, I'm not real sure what's going on with that. What are I, you doing? I have a seven-foot medium-heavy moderate tip. But it's, it's basically, it says the chatterbait rod on chatterbait rod from the casking. And then... I have it on a uh, Royal Legend Elite reel from them, and this is the, the six to one. But I have a, I have another rod from them, same setup, but I have the seven to one. I actually like the seven to one just a little bit more because it brings it in a little quicker for me. Okay. Uh, but that's, this this one I used quite a bit prior to buying that one, and it, it just it doesn't reel in as quickly, of course. But I've caught just as many fish on this slower, slower, and this is what actually the reel that will be going on my spinnerbait rod that I just see. Whenever I do upgrade that rod, I'm actually going to be going to an even faster reel. I think I think the one that I have ready to go is like seven five to one, so not not that much faster, but a little bit faster. Yeah, and then I I use P line fifteen pounds because. I was actually using the chatterbait to catch. Uh, I was going out for snakehead, and I was doing the the braid to um, fluorocarbon, and it kept. And when I when I tossed it real hard, it would break where the knot was, and so I was like, I got to do something differently. And so I ended up. I had a uh, spool of the 15 pound P line, and I put that on, and I, and I don't have any problems when I'm casting stuff breaking off any because of that. So that's why that's why I stuck stuck with. What curious? What kind of knot were you using? I was using a, a wacky Alberto knot. Oh, wacky Al- I'm not sure what a wacky Alberto knot is. It's it's basically a, it's what they called it when I watched the video. It's an Alberto knot, but then you you finish it off with a couple of hitch knots on the end, so that so that the, that knot lays a little flatter, and that's it. And they called oh, it a yeah. wacky, but it's an Alberto knot. It's basically what it was, and then. And then I also, back in the day, I used to use um, uh, Uni to Uni. That's what I, I use. Which I think makes a really small knot. And Alberto makes a really small knot, too. So I can't, either way, you know, but, but yeah, they, they used to break where, you know, real close to where that knot was. So I just. I always thought it depended on like if on, a, on micro guides. If it's hitting those guides a lot mm-hmm. on the way through, I think that definitely. I think that's that what my issue was. Yeah. yeah. And I don't like, you know, I don't like feeling that knot come through the eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because no matter how small your knot is, you still feel it. Tick, 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 tick. Yep. Yeah. And so. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else you wanted to cover, Paul? We're, I guess we're getting on near an hour, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're a little. Yeah. Early, so. Yeah. We're right at an hour. No, you know, it's like, like I said, you know, I'm one of those uh, budget fishermen, so if I can make it or, or modify it to make it make it better, I try to. You know, I've I've uh, 
I've never sold any of my chatterbaits, you know. And, well, I might be placing an order if you're offering. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I would be interested in trying them with you saying it had like wider wobble. So, yeah, yeah might, might have to talk after we get off here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, you send me your addresses, I'll send you a couple. And then I wanted to offer a couple of them up to your winner for your June new tournament too. Oh, that'd be awesome. Okay. Yeah, sweet. You just let me, you just let me know, and I'll send, I'll send you one of each color. That I make. And awesome. You, you give them I can I can meet you somewhere too to save you some shipping. So. Sure. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, Ryan, you, you give me your address or whatever, and I'll I'll send you some. All right, sweet. We'll we'll uh, talk a little bit after we get off here. Okay. No problem. <clears throat> Did you have but, anybody else you wanted to shout out or uh, any well, social I, media? Well, it's funny because you know I I I see that you're always like, hey, you got any sponsors and and uh actually i don't have any <laughs> hey that's all good we talk you know. to people that don't have them you know i don't have any myself either you know yeah. just the podcast here and sean you you don't have any do you? i don't either now when they made those angler cards for us and i was looking at everybody else's they have like you know 20 sponsors and i'm like yeah. I, I got nothing <laughs> I, I told my wife i didn't have any she goes you can just tell them i'm your sponsor there you <laughs> go <laughs> i said she got so what do you mean she goes because all the money comes out of the same account. So I am your sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A funny story about her is last year we went to the uh, KA dinner. And almost every weekend last summer, I was gone fishing somewhere. And I, I looked over to her and said, you know, I'm so blessed that, that you know, you're you're so supportive of my, uh, my fishing, you know, because I'm gone every weekend. And she's like, Oh, and I said, even sometimes the whole weekend. And she and she giggles, this evil giggle, and she goes, how do you know that's not my plan? <laughs> uh, I'm oh, lucky, man. too. My wife puts up with uh, my fishing trips for the most part. So. Yeah. yeah. Usually my fishing is a little more scarce, but since I've been <laughs> off work for two and a half months, you know, I've been able to fish quite a bit. and yeah. I'm a little jealous of that, man. I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> what part are you yeah. from? Uh, I, I live about 40 miles south of Nashville. Okay. okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, been off work for a while, so I've been fishing as much as I can because I know it's going to get scarce again whenever I go back to work. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, try to get out, you know, at least once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, man, it's, it's been awesome talking to you. And, that was great to be on the show, man. Yeah. definitely uh listeners go uh check out heroes online uh you can google it and um find a chapter local or close to you um go out and volunteer i promise you'll have a great time you'll probably learn a ton of stuff too uh i can't tell you how much i've learned and look forward to learning uh going out too so um anybody else you want to shout out uh yeah no, like i said if you're trying to look for a chapter close to you you go to heroes on the water.org and Click on participate, and in the box that the next page will have volunteer or participant. Click on it, fill out your information, and it will go to the nearest chapter, and somebody will get in touch. Awesome, awesome. awesome. All right, guys. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to do my outro without messing it up. This has been the uh, Best of Your Noob segment of the Paladin Podcast. We're bringing you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. 
Good night, everyone. Later. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures located in Northern Illinois for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle and Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. You want to succeed, you want to fish, you want to be one of the greatest. Tune in to West Marine's Life on the Water, presented by Costa Custom Boats, every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.